Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Previewing Daytona this week, everybody. It is Daytona 500 Race Week. Yeah, that deserved another reggaeton if you get my drift. I'm so excited. I am so amped. I'm so here for it. It's been a long, it's been a a long, long, grueling offseason. But fear not, we have made it to the finish line, literally. And the green flag is set to fly on the official 2024 NASCAR racing season here in just a couple days. By the time you're listening to this, I'm probably already in Daytona. Uh, behind the scenes, I'm recording it a little bit late in the week prior uh, that we head into Daytona race week, but I'm so excited and I'm so excited for you guys to hear the chat today that we had with the 2022 winner of the great American race. That being Michael McDowell of front row motorsports. He has obviously had a really, really resurgent career here in the last couple years, front row motorsports. They have upped their game. Michael has done so with that team. Travis Peterson atop the pit box, Jerry Freeze as the GM, Bob Jenkins, the owner. Everybody's just taking it to another level, and I think that that has been reflected in their performance here the last couple years. Obviously, Michael knows what it takes to win the Great American Race. We chatted about that a little bit and so much more, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Before we do any of that, let's throw it over to Papa Siegel, who has this week's Wayback segment talking about perfect Peter Grigg. Interesting and tumultuous story and eventually what do you guys have to say about it after papa siegel lets us know thank you Duke, and welcome everyone to episode 213 our recent discussion of hurley haywood included references to his partner and running mate peter gregg and a teaser that we'd be discussing him as well no time like the present to take that look back gregg was a star of the trans am series during its heyday in the 1970s when he won 41 races, second only to IMSA's GOAT, Al Holbert. That included six different IMSA titles, four Rolex 24s, a Le Mans class title, and two SCCA Trans Am titles. Greg was a perfectionist who insisted on having, and could afford, the best equipment with the most detailed preparation. The racing adage that races are won on the track but championships are won in the shop, is often attributed to Greg. Perhaps that's why he was known as Perfect Peter. On the other hand, some say the nickname came from the Wacky Races cartoon series in the late 60s, which included a strong but vain and boastful racer known as Peter Perfect. Hmm, what do you think, hun? Kachiga! Greg also became synonymous with Porsche after he purchased Brumos motor cars in 1965 and turned it into the country's premier Porsche dealership. Hurley Haywood made his name at Daytona 
and in endurance cars, racing Brumos Porsches alongside his friend and business partner, Peter Gregg. But there was a dark side to Gregg as well. He was well-respected, but not well-liked among his competitors. Even Haywood is quoted as saying that there were bumps in the road of their close friendship. Haywood says that a lot of it can be attributed to Greg being a manic depressive who had a hard time liking himself, let alone others. In 1980, Greg was on his way to a practice session at Le Mans. He was trying to pass an ox cart on the local roads when he swerved to avoid an oncoming car and crashed into a ditch. The accident left Greg with double vision that prevented him from starting the big race that year. He later was cleared, but never was the same. Whether it was the eye injury, some lingering nervous system disorder, or the inexorable march of time and age, Greg came to the realization that he no longer was perfect Peter. Haywood said that new drivers were driving the same kind of car, and they were faster. Peter couldn't accept the fact that he wasn't the top dog anymore. Peter Gregg committed suicide on December 15, 1980. He was posthumously inducted into the International Motorsports Hall of Fame in 1992 and the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America in 2000. That's all for this week. Back to you, Duve. Thank you, Dad, and thank you, Mom. That was a... uh... Whew, that was kind of heavy. That took a turn. I was not expecting it to uh, go that way. But nonetheless, somebody that we should uh, obviously know a lot about who has contributed a lot to motorsports, uh, maybe not necessarily NASCAR or stock car racing, but still a, a interesting figure in motorsports nonetheless. All right, let's start off this episode the way we always do, and that is with the second already of the show. Good old-fashioned. <laughs> And now we can throw it straight over to my interview with Michael McDowell of Front Row Motorsports. I teased it a little bit earlier. 2022 Daytona 500 winner. 2023 Verizon 200 at the Brickyard winner. Chatted about his playoff experience last year. Relationship with his crew chief, Travis Peterson. Next gen leveling the playing field, so to speak. Especially for teams like his at Front Row Motorsports. And spread a whole lot more fields as well michael is in a bit of a talkative mood i mean he always has a really good interview but he was going on a few minutes for some of these answers and i was just letting her rip because uh it was some really good perspective and some interesting perspective as well so hope you enjoy it as much as i did here is michael mcdowell on victory lane pleasure to welcome on to the show this week driver of the 34 front row motorsports dark horse ford mustang it is michael mcdowell coming to us live from his home office I'm, I'm digging the new the new stuff that you got going on behind you michael is that a peloton too that i see yeah so honestly i'm just being transparent with you it was too noisy downstairs kids are doing homework everybody's freaking out so i was like hey i got an interview all right i'll just go upstairs so i'm in uh i'm, I'm upstairs here well i was gonna say you got five kids in the house now right yeah it's a lot today's a homeschool day so it's busy around here Wow. Get that all over yourself. But God bless your wife is what I'll say. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, well, besides the fact that you got five little rascals running around, um, you were just saying before we hopped on that this week has been crazy busy. 
And I kind of joked, well, at least we did race because it didn't look like we were going to for a while in L.A. Take us through your mindset and kind of what you experienced out there in California this past weekend from thinking that you weren't going to race to, okay, maybe we're going to race to, oh, my God, we're actually doing this. Yeah, so, you know, a couple things is leading into the week, it looked pretty, you know, dark (laughs) um, that it was going to be tough to get the race in on Sunday. Um, but Saturday always sort of looked good, you know? Um, and so when we got to the racetrack, you know, we flew in Friday night, weather was pretty nice. Uh, and then Saturday is like, okay, you know, like you still got to focus on practice, qualifying, um, heat races, like doing everything you need to do to make the race whenever the race happens. So, but we are all not thinking that one, we weren't thinking we were going to race Saturday night. And two, we weren't thinking that we're going to race Sunday or Monday, right? (laughs) And so, you know, it's tough because this time of year, um, you know, I know NASCAR's got their logistics and TV and all that, right? But just for us in our own little selfish bubble, like we are thrashing to get cars ready to go to Daytona at the shop. And having, you know, 20 guys in L.A. sitting in the rain versus being at home working on race cars is not the best thing for us. So um, when they said that we were going to go racing Saturday night, it was like, one, I was shocked, right? Because that typically doesn't happen. Um, and and two is that I was just relieved knowing that this is going to help us prepare for the 500 a lot better. And it's going to take, you know, those guys, they had to work long hours this week, but had we been stuck there until – Wednesday, Tuesday, I don't know when it would have happened. Um, We would have been pulling 24-hour, you know, shifts. So um, it all worked out. A lot of stress alleviated from you. I would say probably more from Travis's shoulders, though, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the you know, Travis and, and Griff, my car chief, I mean, there's just so much that has to get done for that first race. And there's always more because you know, processes and technology and, you know, just the silly stuff that people don't think about, but like internet and computers and syncing everything up and all the data and all the video and all the radio communication coming in and making sure that everything's functioning correctly. Because in the off season, you always have some sort of technology, you know, change or uh, new this or new that, or, you know, new person in that spot. So, there's always a lot of kinks to work out, you know, those first couple of weeks. So it's, it's important to have, you know, all hands on deck. Yeah. I feel like this is, if not the first time ever in your career, first time in a long time that most things are staying the same. Cause I remember last year you made it a big point that everything was changing besides the spotter and the PR guy, but you got Travis yeah. back, you got Todd back. I think you have most of your, engineers pit crew all that stuff everybody seems to be in a good spot and why would you go anywhere after the season that you guys had that's got to be a pretty good feeling michael going into a year coming off the best of your career with everything staying where it should be yeah it's honestly it's huge um you know the last not just last year but the last two years have been like that where it's been sort of a, a rebuild season um and so definitely this year we're feeling you know, that we can build off of um, the momentum, you know, the confidence, you know, the setups, the procedures, the processes that we've had in place without having to 
start over with all that. Um, you know, chemistry is really important. Um, and not just between the crew chief and myself, but everybody, um, everybody in the shop, all the guys that travel, the guys that don't travel that are working with the, the, you know, the road crew guys is super important too. And knowing what they need done come Monday so that when they come into the, the shop on Tuesday, they're ready to get it to the next steps and the next phases. So, you know, keeping a lot of that continuity together is, is really important. And it's not something we've had the last two years. Um, I'm thankful that, you know, we've been able to, to retain and, and keep a lot of our key people. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it was good in the off season from that regard. We did have some changes, um, a, a couple personnel, um, but a lot of processes and technology changes that we we're talking about without going into a lot of details that um, still feel like, oh, you know, we still got a lot to do. We still got a lot to learn. Um, but you know, we're in a much better spot today than we were, you know, a year ago today and you know, were in a much better spot than we were two years ago today. So, you know, things are on a good trajectory for us and, and, you know, the first few races will be important. Um, but once we get a few more, um, you know, weeks under our belt, we'll be able to maximize some of the new tools that we have and some of the new, um opportunity and new people that we have that have maybe a few different skill sets in areas where we didn't have before last year when you guys won at indy there was a lot of conversation with you and with travis peterson your crew chief about you know what makes you guys click so well because it seems like you guys get each other on the racetrack away from it right it seems like you guys just have a really good partnership can you put your finger on what works between the two of you and what makes this partnership different from some ones that you've had in the past? Um, yeah, it, it's tough to say. Um, you know, if I think about it from my standpoint, I had a great relationship with Drew Blickensturfer as well. And, and he did a, you know, a lot for our race team, but a better opportunity came along for him and he took it. Right. And honestly, I got along really well with Blake Harris as well. And we were running well and things were going good. And, you know, obviously he got the opportunity to go to the 48 and, and be the crew chief at, at Hendrick Motorsports for Alex Bowman. And um, so you can't blame him for that, but um, all those guys I had pretty good chemistry with and, and we were starting to build something. And so, um, and with Travis, you know, I think, there's a few things is one is that, you know, I had the opportunity to handpick him. Right. Um, and so I think that that builds confidence. I had confidence before I ever met with him that that's the guy I want. And I think him seeing that I had confidence in him, even though he hadn't crew chief per se, right. um, gave him that, that sort of like, all right, I got somebody that's behind me that believes in me that is going to give me not just a shot, but back me up. Right. Um, because I'm putting my neck on the line too, saying, Hey, no, this is the guy, this is the guy I want. And, and people are like, well, he's never crew chief. He has no experience. I mean, what are you doing? And I'm like, this is the guy I want. So, um, I felt like both of our necks were on the line, if that makes sense. Um, and, and you always have to perform in this sport. And so, yeah, I feel like we both had that fire of like, we got to prove everybody to everybody that what we're trying to do and, and decisions that we made were the right ones. Um, and then, you know, more than anything is just, um, it's a good balance. He's very engineering minded, obviously his background is engineering. Um, he understands the race cars well, vehicle dynamics, simulation. He understands all that really well. 
And I felt like I could come alongside and help him or maybe compliment him on the leading the guys and getting the most out of our race cars, like from um, um, just maximizing everything. But very quickly, I've learned with him that, you know, he's a very good leader. Um, the guys like him a lot. He's, um, you know, personality wise and communication wise, he does a great job. And I don't want to I don't want to categorize any, anything or anybody because I, I don't want to upset anybody in our industry because the terminology might sound offensive. But a lot of times engineers don't have like a really, really good engineer. My experience doesn't have a lot of those skill sets um, to be a, a, a leader and to, um, build, you know, chemistry and continuity. Sometimes they talk so far above your head that you feel dumb. Yeah. And, um, so Travis has just done a great job of getting the guys behind him and, and building that group up. And then, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm at a point in my career and have been at a point in my career where I'm not getting any younger. I'm running out of time. I still have a lot to prove. He's on the flip side of his career where he's brand new, he's young, he's going to have a long career, but he has something to prove. Um, and so I think we just both fight hard. We understand. We, I think probably the biggest thing is, is we don't get offended. Um, we have candid conversations. We, we, um, I don't say we butt heads cause we don't really butt heads, but we go at it. Like, we, no, that's not right. This is, this, you know, we go at it. Um, but we know it's coming from a good place that we're just trying to get the race team and the performance better. And so I like a lot of information. I like a lot of feedback. I like being involved in a lot of the processes and procedures and, and he doesn't, uh, take offense to that. Um, I've had guys in the past that are like, Hey, did you just let me do my job? And I'm like, yeah, I get it. But guess what? I'm the one every year that's looking for a job. Like I'm the one that if we don't perform well, it, I got to feed my family. And so yes, I believe you can do it, but I'm not going to just sit here and just let it all happen and cross my fingers that it's right. Um, and so Travis and I get along well with that and uh, we have a good balance. So I've enjoyed it. It's been a great process. Um, I think we have a lot to still do this year and I think we'll, we'll continue to surprise people. Um, maybe surprise isn't the right word, but, um, I think, I think we're in a good spot. So we've talked about some of the things that are staying the same from last year. One thing that's different is that you guys got a new body and you got a new car, the Dark Horse Mustang. Obviously, that will change things somewhat, hopefully in a positive direction for not just you guys in front row, but Ford in general. But how and where do you think it will be different? And I guess when will you know how different it is? Um, well, it'll be different at Daytona. Um our cars have been so good at Daytona in regards to pushing and taking a push and all that, that it'll, I think I'm more looking to, is it going to be as good there in that regards, this shape of the nose and things like that. Um, I'm hopeful that it is, but until you get hooked up on a back bumper and you're pushing hard, you don't really know exactly how that's all going to line up and work. Um, but I think beyond that, you know, that dark horse, it looks great. I mean, it looks awesome. The graphics on it are awesome. The lines on it are awesome. Um, and that's cool. I mean, everybody wants to drive a cool looking car, right? But to me, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is, does it have more downforce? Is it more efficient? Is it going to help with balance? All those things that we're fighting, right? See, now and you're sounding like an engineer. Look at you. 
Yeah, and and really, that's I'm like that as far as analytical in my approach. I understand the race cars pretty well, and and I'm a student of it all. So that is all we'll find out when we get to Atlanta and Vegas and those places, right? Um, we know everybody at Ford Performance has been working really hard to make sure that the things that the teams were working for went in that direction. But as you know, NASCAR is doing everything they can to make sure that all the cars are the same and perform similar. Um, and so there's, there's going to be some give and take, you know, you might gain a little bit here and you might lose a little bit there. Um, and so as a race team, we're going to have to learn what we have to do, adjust our setups, adjust our approach to compensate for some of those things. Um, but I also will say it's not this, you know, catastrophic change it is a change but we're talking about um smaller numbers you know it's going to take a little bit of tuning it's not going to be we got to start over you know what worked at phoenix last year will still work in phoenix this year but we might have to adjust a few things to get it you know perfect yeah that makes sense so speaking of you know the new body on your new car the next gen car in general I would hesitate to call it new because it's been two years fully now and, you know, we're going into year three, but you know, one of the main objectives that NASCAR had when they brought it online, as you know, Michael was to level the playing field a little bit and to make teams like yours closer to Hendrick Gibbs, Penske, et cetera, et cetera. Given your guys' performance last year and the past couple, I would say that that mission has been accomplished largely by you, your team and the organization as a whole. But I'll, I'll, I want to ask you, I mean, how do you think the car has leveled the playing field and brought things closer together and benefited a team like yours? Oh, yeah, it's been been all the things that you said. It's been huge, right? I mean, year one for sure was like, OK, now we have all the same parts and pieces and and the same basics, right? Um, and that brought everybody together. And I think, you know, we saw that not just for ourselves, but, you know, statistically with more first time winners and more race winners in general. And you didn't see somebody run a dominant year where they win four or five, six, seven races. Right. Um, and then, you know, fast forward into 2023, we saw a little bit more of the, the best teams performing consistently and winning consistently. But I'll be honest with you, I don't feel like we lost anything from year one to year two, um, which that was going to be the real, you know, um, test for us and, and for this car is, yes, we knew day one we were going to be really close. But what about day 700, right? Nice. Um, when you give when you give teams these bigger teams and it's not taking away anything for them. I mean, they deserve and they have earned everything that they have. But when you have 600 people and you have, you know, uh, I don't, I don't even want to throw numbers. We're operating off a, of, you know, 25% of their budget. You're going to figure out ways to get better. Right. Um, but I feel today just as good as I did day one, that we'll be able to compete. We'll be able to compete for wins. Will we be able to do it con as consistently as Hendrick Motorsports or Team Penske or Joe Gibbs Racing or Hendrick or any of those? Probably not. But the goal with this car, and this has always been my hope with it, is on a given Sunday, if you get it right, you hit your setup right, you execute perfectly, your pit stops are good, you don't have any mistakes, you should be able to at least contend for a win. 
And that was not the case, you know, prior to this next gen car. I mean, yes, there's been some, um, you know, different types of racing or different, you know, rain delays or whatever. But the reality is, is that you weren't going to go head to head with the top teams and outperform them with the old car. It just never was going to happen. And so I think the next gen has absolutely accomplished all the things that they've wanted to accomplish from the, the competition standpoint of bringing everybody close. And I've been pleasantly surprised with how well we've been able to keep up. Now that's a lot of work. I mean, our guys are still working super hard. It's not easy. And we're being creative and, and we have a lot of smart people there and we're paying attention to the competition. Um, and, but at the same time, we're not being left behind. And, and so that's, that's a big, you know, compliment to NASCAR that they've done a good job of keeping everything reined in and at least giving us a fighting chance to, to be able to go do it. And, and I think you also see it with, you know, these aren't small teams, but you see track house and you, you see colleague and you see other teams that you wouldn't necessarily put in that top um, category of big teams that are able to, you know, to go contend for wins. It's interesting that you point out those other teams that are, you know, performing and have an upward trajectory along with you and you guys, your guys' team, because I feel like you haven't been in the position that you're currently in right now ever in your career, really. I mean, whether it's starting out, starting parking, your time with MWR, to get to where you are now, which is a home, and you've called it that for good reason, somewhere that you see yourself staying long-term and you have stability now with the people and the team around you and besides all that, the cars are fast. I mean, you know, yeah. Kevin said it all the time. You can't drive a slow car fast. But for the first time, I feel like in your career, Michael, you have all the pieces that you can actually contend for wins week after week. And that's kind of why we saw you did what you did last year at the Brickyard and at Watkins Glen for a little bit before Troubles derailed you there. That's got to be a really good feeling, even though, like you said, I mean, not saying that you're on the back nine of your career, but the years that you have ahead of you are fewer than you have behind you. You you recognize that. And to be in a position now where you got a lot left to give and you're going to be able to show what you can do, that's got to be a really rewarding feeling. Oh yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, 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 um, you know, I'm thankful, right? Because for a lot of years it was like, ah, is it going to ever happen? You know? Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful for the opportunity that I have at front row and what we've been able to build. Um, and timing is everything in this sport, right? And and if you just look over, not just the history, I mean, but timing is so, so important, you know, and with this next-gen car for, for me and for our race team, the timing was just right. We had good people, we had good processes in place, but we were never going to make up the gap that we were behind the big teams. Then we get this new car and all of a sudden it's like, all right, you know, we're in the game. Um, and now because of that, everybody's fired up and motivated to stay in the game. Right. And so, you know, our owner, Bob Jenkins, he's making those investments now too. Like he's, he's always put a ton of money in, but now he sees like we're legitimately approaching being a top 10 team, you know, regularly. And so what are those few investments that we need to, to make to keep, you know, to keep that going and keep that up? Um, so yeah, the timing is great. I'm very thankful. Um, you know, this sport is different than a lot of other sports where uh, experience does help. And even though I'm not as young as I once was, um, 
the experience has helped me to be more prepared when we do have fast cars and we do have opportunities. And, um, and so, you know, I don't feel like I'm at any sort of detriment at all at this point and, and still have a lot to fight for. And, and, you know, everybody comes into a new year hopeful, right? I mean, everybody, you talk to anybody, it doesn't matter across the field, right? Like this is the year, this is the opportunity. Um, but I truly feel that way. I feel like last year was just a, a preview of what we could do. And I think this year we'll be able to actually show people what we're capable of doing. Do you like when people count you guys out? You know, I've heard a lot of people going through the playoff grid and saying, yeah, they had a great year last year. I just, I don't see it happening this year. Do you like when people kind of count you out a little bit? You know, I, I, I don't want this to come off as rude or arrogant because it's not my, my personality. Um, but I don't pay attention to that. And honestly, I don't care. And I don't mean like, I don't care what people say. I don't, I don't, that stuff doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect me when people are talking good. And it doesn't affect me when people are talking bad, because to me, the, the gratification in, in running well and winning is for, for your family, for your teammates, for your team, for your crew. It's, it's all that, like, I don't, I don't get like this amazing satisfaction of saying like, Oh, I, you guys said I wouldn't. And I did, I don't care about that stuff. I mean, um, it doesn't fire me up. It doesn't motivate me. Um, what motivates me is, is it's a privilege to be one of 40 that get the, the start on Sunday. And we have an opportunity to win races and for us to be able to do that, that's rewarding enough. It's not about, you know, proving the naysayers wrong or, or anything like that. And for me, it's never been like that. It's I've never, I've never really allowed that to affect me. And honestly, if I allowed it to affect me, I wouldn't, I would have never made it to this point. Yeah. Because you got to remember for 10 years, I was doing nothing but starting and parking. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, so if I, if I, if I valued what everybody had to say at that time, I, I wouldn't be here today. And so I think the reverse of it is, um, yes, it's, it's awesome that, that, um, that people are seeing what we're doing, but whether they think we'll be there again and all, I don't, I just don't worry too much about that. Part of the reason I asked that is because I have heard some people, you know, kind of counting you guys out, but also, and you can be honest now, it felt pretty damn good to prove Denny Hamlin wrong last year when you guys wanted Indy. I know it did. Yeah. You know, and so that's funny too, because that was just ironic how I, I ended up catching something that he said. I, I don't remember if it was on a podcast. Cause you're not super or... active on Twitter, right? I'm not like, I do pay attention a little bit, but I'm not super active on it. Um, uh, you know, it, to me, without going down a, a hole here, you know, like the same thing. I don't I don't let a lot of things affect me high or low. So I try not to buy into what everybody feels about yeah. what you're doing. But I also pay enough attention to it that like you get good tidbits or you find out, you know, like some of the some of the scheduling and rule changes and thing I find through social media, not through knowing what's going to happen, you know, so. Uh, it's just kind of how our world works. So I'm not completely like zoned out, turned off to it all, but I don't pay a lot of attention to it. Um, but yeah, that one just caught me off guard. And and so the reason that I was fiery about that is, is it wasn't insulting. I understood what he was saying. It was not an insult. I didn't take it personal. Like, Oh man, how could you say that about me? It wasn't that I am very analytical 
and I am very statistic driven and I know Denny is as well. Right. And so him and I have had a lot of private conversations about a lot of things and not everybody knows that. Right. And so I know that he's very technical and he's very um, engineer minded and statistic driven. And up until that point, like I was number one or number two on next gen road course finishes, qualifying, running, all that. And so I'm like, dude, I don't care if you don't think I can do it, but statistically the 34 car has been in the game at all these races. If you're overlooking us, you just haven't been paying attention, you know? Um, so it wasn't like this personal, I didn't take the dig as personal. I just, yeah. um, I was just like, if you look at the results and if you look at the performance, we're getting close to being where we needed to be. So that one was fun because, you know, people kind of buy into the hype of like, Oh, they're feuding. We weren't really feuding, but when I did win and I was in the the press conference and somebody said, um, you know, oh, Denny Hamlin said this. I was like, oh, he did. I remember that. <laughs> so, uh, so it was fun, but um, yeah, you know, I I will say that you know I I came off with what I was telling you that I don't really care what people say or think and. There, there is truth that I think everybody cares a little bit, so I don't want to paint a bad picture. But um, what I what I thought was neat was just um, how my competitors responded, right? And so I think that that's a sign of of like respect, right? When when guys are genuinely happy for you, and um, and so you feel like you've done things right and you've treated people well, and so you know that part of me is more rewarding than the you know maybe the other perceptions out there you know what i mean yeah 100 percent. i think it's it was very telling how everybody reacted at the brickyard last year and i couldn't have said it better myself all right so let's shift gears a little bit in the time i have left with you to talk about daytona and the race ahead the season ahead we know that you are capable of winning at daytona you've done you've done it before you obviously can do it again we know the team is capable of doing it as well but how do you get to that point? Whether it's like, when does the process start? Does it start now? Does it start when you get on the plane to go back from the clash? Does it start at media day? What's the process like to get oh. to the end of the Daytona 500 from a mental perspective and also inside the race car? Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I could answer it how I go about the process, but I, I don't know if it's the same for everybody. And I probably wouldn't want to give away too much. Um, but everybody treats the off season how they treat it. You know, some guys check out, some guys don't check out, some guys can, some guys can't. Everybody has different level of responsibilities and commitments and family and different things like that. Um, so for me, it was, I, I started when Phoenix ended and just made a list of where we're strong, where we're weak, where we need to improve things that I need to study things that I need to do better, like just driving standpoint, you know, like whether it's first lap on the racetrack, qualify, whatever it is, right? Just went through a list of where did we run well? Where did we execute well? Where didn't I execute well? Where am I getting beat? All those things. And then I prioritize that list of, okay, you're only going to have so much time and you can only, you know, tell your family for so long that, hey, I'm working here, right? Uh, you know, what you're going to focus on. Um, and so... Uh, all that to be said is, you know, I, I focused on the high level things that I thought were really important for overall for the year. And then January one, you know, just transitioned solely to Daytona 500. 
um, and working on what we needed to do to, to be better for that. And so a lot of Daytona is communication, strategy, and teamwork. Um, execution is, is a high priority for that. And so we just went through those categories of, okay, what did, what do we need to do better execution? Whether it's pit road, getting on pit road, launching, launching for qualifying and not spinning your tires. I go through a long list of all the things you got to think about and work on. Um, and then, you know, teamwork 16 and, and seven, the six and 17 have done it very well. Right. Um, you just look at how they worked together. Um, you go, I've gone through the last, you know, what, however many there's been six next gen super speedways went through all those, all those finishes, um, how those guys got in the position, what allowed them to get to that position, who worked with them, who didn't work with them. So there's a tremendous amount of data that you go through, but you also got to be pretty laser focused on what you need to do, what your team needs to do and how to do it. Like you're talking about. And so there's been you know, lots of study and film, lots of listening to spotters and drivers and teams communication and seeing how they got themselves in position, who executed well, who didn't execute well, who it just worked out for randomly and, and who it didn't work out for randomly. Um, and so you go through all that, you put together your best game plan you try to go down there and execute. And, you know, sometimes you end up on your roof and sometimes you end up in victory lane and, um, but you got to put the effort in and we've put the effort in and there's still more to do. Um, but you know, I feel very prepared, uh, mentally, physically, I've worked through a lot of those scenarios of, you know, the next gen car versus the old car. It's not the same. How you get in position is not the same. How you win the race is not the same. Having to sort of shift your mindset of what that looks like, what you have to do differently now than say in 2021 when I won it. Um, and what am I still doing like the old car that's not working, um, that I need to retrain my brain and retrain muscle memory to not do. And, uh, there's just a lot to it. So, um, like I said, I'm a student of the sport and I, I study a tremendous amount. Um, but then you get there and you got to load in the seat and go do it. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but feel good about it. So last year, obviously a win made the playoffs talking to you here i see no reason why that is not at least you know the the bar of expectation for you guys again this year do you and travis sit down before the year and go through what you think realistic expectations are or is it something that kind of comes upon you guys whenever it happens and you kind of figure it out as it goes um i think we both have um expectations um you know goals expectations sometimes uh, I don't want to say they're different, but they can be different, you know, um, and his ind not individual goal, because I don't want to say it like that, because it's always a team goal, but his might be a little different than mine. Right. And so, um, you know, for me, it's it's multiple wins. It's not it's not one. It's not one win and you're in, but multiple wins uh, in the season. And I think that that would really um, be an accomplishment. Um, my goals are very random. They're not goals that are driven by like a lot of, um, oh, this is how we're going to win the championship. This is, they're not, they're, they're more personal, but obviously team driven. Right. Um, and so there's sub goals for those goals, <laughs> but the expectation is the expectation. I feel like is the, is the same. The expectation is, is give everything you have. 
Um, it's a hundred percent and the results you can't always control, but you can control attitude and effort. So I tell everybody in our shops, what I tell my kids is just, it's just what I preach is like, what can you control today? Your attitude and effort. And we're going to go into this season knowing that we can win because we can, and that's our attitude. We're going to win races this year. Our effort is going to match that attitude that we're going to win races, whether we do or don't. Yes, there'll be some disappointment, but the expectation is we're going to win. And the effort that we're going to give is towards that. Doesn't always work out. Doesn't always happen. Um, and so, you know, I think those those goals are important. You know, my own little personal side goals would be to get a pole. I've been really close to polls, but haven't done it. Um, felt like last year I probably gave up a couple that I could have got that we had fast enough cars to get and just left a little bit out or made a little bit mistake. Watkins Glen in particular felt like we could have had the pole there. Um, some other places, Kansas felt like we could have the, a shot at the pole there. So there's different, different things like that. Sub goals. Uh, they're not big priorities, but getting the pole would be important Winning multiple races would be important. And, you know, for me personally, winning at a short track would be, um, um, important to me. It, it was a goal that I had when I originally came into sport you know, I had it in my mind. If I could win at Daytona or Talladega, Martinsville or Bristol, I would be a pretty well-rounded driver with a, a road course background, right? Yeah. Uh, I thought that that would happen a lot quicker than it did, but it's always been my goal to be, you know, to to win at one of those iconic short tracks because I'm not a short track guy. I didn't grow up racing late models. I, I The first time I was on an oval was when I, you know, I did a couple open wheel races on ovals, but um, was when I got into the Arca series in 2007, right? Yeah. So no idea what I was doing. And, um, and so now to be able to go and, and run and have a shot at Bristol, Martinsville, places like that would mean a lot. Um, but you know, the reality is, is that winning a race is, is what's super important to get in the playoffs and continue to do that, you know, year after year, but winning multiple races, I feel like will solidify us as, not a, you know, a fluke. That's something that we're going to consistently do for a long time. If you win multiple Daytona 500s, you'd be in some rarefied air too. Have you picked out a spot for your next trophy, whether it's at Daytona or somewhere else? Yeah, I don't have a spot for it, um, but we'll make a spot for it. You know, I was thinking about that yesterday. We were, we were doing a Daytona 500 race hub and um, I, I, I didn't ask the, to find the number, but I don't know how many um, multiple or two-time or more than two-time winners there are of the Daytona 500. Um, it's a pretty exclusive club to be a Daytona 500 champion. I think to be a uh, two-time or multiple-time Daytona 500 champion is obviously even more exclusive. Um, and so, yeah, it's something that you know we have our eyes focused on. All right. How often do you wear the ring? Only when I do um, Daytona 500 type things, right? So. I don't wear it that often, but let's like say like, you know, so say somebody's bringing me in to do a motivational speech sure, and, sure. and they're highlighting the Daytona 500 and it's centered around that. I'll bring it. Um, or, you know, yesterday on race hub, I brought it because they said, bring your Daytona 500 ring because it's a Daytona 500 show, you know? Um, and so I'll bring it for different things like that, but it sits in a box. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool, but you wouldn't wear it daily. It's, it's quite no. large. I didn't think you were in the drive-through line or you know in the, no. in the carpool line. No. Pick where where in your yeah, Daytona 500. I don't have it on right now. So yeah, 
Well, you're saving it. You're saving it for yeah. the right occasion. I feel you. Yeah. Um, well, Michael, this has been a thrill, man. Thank you so much for carving out some time. Like you said, I know it's a busy time professionally and also personally downstairs. So go get back <laughs> to your little rascals and we'll see you down there in Daytona. Best of luck. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. And we are back. Told you that was a great chat, right? Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you so much to both Michaels, Michael McDowell for carving at the time and going upstairs to uh, get out of the craziness that he has in his house with five kids and Michael Gardner of Front Row Motorsports as well for helping coordinate the conversation. As I said to Michael, best of luck to him and the entire 34 team and the 38 and the 36. Why the heck not? as they uh, try to get another Harley J or Earl trophy to add to their collection at the great American race. It is finally here, everybody. The 66th running of the Daytona 500 goes green this Sunday afternoon on Fox, just after 2.30 p.m. in the east. Hopefully the weather will hold off and play nice with us, as we know Florida weather can be a bit iffy and finicky sometimes. And that's just not for Sunday. That's for Saturday with the Xfinity Series race, Friday with the Craftsman Truck Series race, Arkham Menard Series also in action this weekend. They got 50 cars, 50 on the entry list. So that is going to be something to watch as well. We got new faces in new places. We got new crew chiefs. We got new sponsors. We got new bodies. We got a whole lot of new going on, but a lot of old reliable as well. So a good mix of storylines as we head into 2024 and the great American race. I'm looking forward to it. I know you are too. And if I needed to remind you, which I know I probably don't, all the action can be heard on Sirius XM NASCAR radio channel 90. And that will do it for this week's edition of victory lane. My friends, we appreciate you carving out some of your valuable time this week for us and me here at this measly little podcast got a great guest coming at you next week it's one of michael mcdowell's former crew chiefs he mentioned him in the chat i will let you figure out who it may be and i'm somewhat selfishly hoping that they don't win the daytona 500 because that would be poor timing on my part since the interview was recorded before the daytona 500 but i digress that's neither here nor there we, we wish success for all of our guests here and all our peeps here in victory lane Thank you guys so much again for tuning in. We will catch you on the flip side as the 2024 season will be in full swing. Or maybe I should say at full speed. See what I did there? Hope you guys enjoyed Daytona this weekend and soak it all in, party people. Be good.